Okay, before we get started, do either of you drive a Porsche? Wish. Okay, so we're allowed to talk about baseball because none of the three of us drive a Porsche, right? Correct. Okay, uh, the Associated Press can't come after us, so we're good. This is the Just Baseball Show. It's Friday, February 26th. I'm Jack McMullen. I drive a used Volkswagen Jetta, so I can speak on behalf of minor leaguers. Peter Apple and Aram Layden, I don't know what you guys drive. We Actually, no, I was just talking to Peter. He doesn't have a car. I do not I have share, a vehicle. share a car with my mom when I'm home and don't have a vehicle in the city, so my opinion is worth a lot more. Yeah. That's great. My opinion's worth the most, though. No car yes, at all. You guys need a timeshare car. This might just be an hour of me talking. Okay, well, listen, you pay for an apartment in Manhattan. I live in Indiana, so I should have some say here, too. All right, Arm, what's your say then? Because, well, but Jack, you actually have a car. Arm shares with his mom, so he's also kind of in a little bit of that boat. I yeah. have no excuses. I'm just the genius here. Yeah. Yeah, AP logic. This is AP logic, right? I got roasted by my mom for leaving baseball cards in the glove compartment. So yeah, Jack, um, explain what we're talking about. Come on. Well, we're talking about Max Scherzer rolling up with a Porsche uh, to <laughs> to the MLB uh, bargaining conversations with the owners, uh, and the Associated Press, for some reason, has been in the owner's pocket. The Associated Press, independent journalism, who I always go to for my news. They have some weird cryptic tweets every now and again where they tweeted out yesterday out of nowhere, Max Scherzer arrives in Porsche. Like they're trying to sell, like he's a multi-million dollar guy. He doesn't have the best interest of the players. I don't understand like him arriving in a, yeah, he signed a $130 million deal at the age of 37. He can drive whatever the hell he wants, but you know what? He was a kid at the university of Missouri too. He was a minor leaguer. He was a fine Arizona Diamondback. He has earned this, and he understands the plight of what he has previously done. Yeah, I, I think that's spot on. And, and the, the, the funniest thing about it is it's almost when you make that argument, because I've seen it beyond the AP. I've seen individuals, reporters, or just personalities on Twitter make the argument of like, this guy makes so much money. And he's not even that good. Like, why is he fighting for this? As if it's crazy that they're fighting for people beyond themselves, right? Or fighting for the 20-year-old version of themselves because they remember what it was like. It's almost telling on yourself because you're only thinking about the personal selfish side of it. Like, why does Scherzer care if he's fine? Because uh, he cares about the other players. Because yeah, he has a also, heart. <laughs> also, you want to talk money? Who do you think has more money? Like, what do you think John Henry rolled up with at three worth $3.8 billion. What? Well, my favorite was the Associated Press got ratioed. And one huh. of my favorite quote tweets was, uh, I can tell you exactly where in the complex in Jupiter, Steve Cohen landed his helicopter. <laughs> yep. That's the best. It, I, that's exactly what we're dealing with right now. Um, 
Also, Russia invaded Ukraine, so no better way to avoid that than give you a mailbag. Uh, we're going to talk about baseball. How lucky are we to be able to talk about baseball? This is all we're going to talk about on this matter. Like, we just get to sit here and record a podcast when this is going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, like, we know more about baseball. That's, that's a little bit more of our quote-unquote expertise. And I think it's great to be able to offer a little bit of reprieve for people uh, in, in a crazy time, because I know you can, you can go to much better sources on that kind of stuff. Uh, you can probably go to better sources on baseball, but we'll have a little bit more fun with you while we talk about it. So that's what we do on these casual Fridays. You can't find any better sources for baseball. Okay, so. that's correct. You are right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into the mailbag. 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 What? Uh, last one we did was two weeks ago, and we had some fun with it. We've got 10 questions, and then we've got an additional four that are like kind of honorable mentions, but kind of rapid fire as well. Absolutely. We have 10 questions, four rapid fire questions, all from our Instagram at just baseball show. That's the one where we post our mailbag. So leave your questions under there. We also post it on Twitter at just BB media. We got some good ones today and let's start it off first. This is a good one. What is the greatest MLB moment you've witnessed live at a stadium? Asked by Marco.Martinez14 on Instagram. Arm, I'm going to throw it to you first. No, you can't because then all the other ones will seem bad. And I'm not even trying to flex. You guys Jack, I'm to- throwing it to you first. Okay. Uh, Michael Barrett decking the shit out of AJ Pruszynski was the best game I have ever been at. That's fire. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Too bad he can't do that anymore. Uh, well, you can. Yeah. <laughs> like Barrett yeah, got you suspended. Can. <laughs> you Juwan can. Howard didn't even do a good impression of it. Yeah. Open hand versus close hand. Much different. Yeah, Barrett was close hand. He, <laughs> he provided the boom. Have I told you guys the story about when I was sitting in the dugout with Michael Barrett in 2019? No. Okay, so I was uh, one of the voices of the Auburn Double Days, which was the Nats short season A affiliate, uh, Auburn now a collegiate summer league in Auburn, New York. And Michael Barrett at the time, and I didn't know at the moment, was the Nationals catching coordinator. So position coordinators make their way around the affiliates, um, blah, blah, blah. He's sitting there in the dugout after doing some catching drills in State College. We're seeing the State College spikes over the short season affiliate of the Cardinals at the time. And I'm sitting there in the dugout talking to uh, one of the pitchers who was a Chicagoland native. And he was sitting there talking to Michael Barrett. And I did not know that it was Barrett. He was just sitting there, you know, shooting the shit with him. Um, And Barrett was, you know, just talking about like his life and how he's living the nomad life now. And then about 20 minutes into the conversation where, you know, it's just a three-way conversation. Haven't met this guy yet. Um, The pitcher asks, do you get free drinks in Wrigleyville whenever you go? And he said, Nah, some places kind of hate me there. And he, you know, like we talk for five more minutes, then he walks away. Um, and the pitcher turns to me and says, do you know who that is? And I was like, no, he's like, that's Michael Barrett. And I was like, oh shit. So he comes back and I'm like, man, I was sitting directly above home plate, like third level of us cellular field. When you deck the shit out of AJ Pruszynski, he was like, no fucking way. How old were you? And I said, I was eight years old. It's like, I'm super washed then, huh? So <laughs> I, I met my, uh, my fake childhood hero, Michael Barrett, in 2019. Did he talk about the fight? Like, does he still have 
he's still not like AJ Brzezinski, anything like that? We didn't really get into it because I'm sure that's like the first thing that comes out of everybody's mouth when they meet Michael Barrett. So I was just like, first thing came out of my mouth. Yeah, exactly. Arm, you got a story? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll go. I'll go. So, I mean, by far the the best, the best. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to see some pretty cool stuff uh, just timing wise, but the best for me was Derek Jeter's last game at Yankee Stadium. I mean, being able to be there for that. I went with my dad and my grandfather. So uh, on top of that, just a special, a special moment because my grandfather's from the Bronx, Yankees fan through and through, watched, you know, Mantle, DiMaggio, like everybody through the years. Um, and obviously Jeter's on that Mount Rushmore with with those guys, as crazy as it is to think about. And, and Jabba Chamberlain, uh, right? And Jabba Chamberlain Bill as well. Hughes. And just being at that game, um, it felt like I was watching like a, like a movie set, you know? And I know some people are like, Oh, it was scripted. I don't give a shit. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, and you know, now given that it's one of those, you know, all I have on the baseball side is, is the memories with my dad. Um, my grandfather is about to turn 87, uh, in a, in a couple of weeks, which is, you know, really exciting, but like still being able to remember those things that that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like you're like, you're like, no way he walks off here. He has to pop up to second base or something. Like there's no way he can actually make that happen. I don't care if it's grooved underhand down the middle. I don't give a shit. That was the most insane thing I've ever seen. And that's just kind of embodies what Jeter was really cool to be there for that. The magic of Derek Jeter. He, he, that was one of the few movies within baseball. Yes. Just seems like there's no way you could actually recreate it. No. And that's why we love sports so much, especially baseball. My story, because the funny thing is, I haven't been in the stadium for a lot of incredible events, but I think my story is almost my worst story. And which made me kind of, this is why I always stay till the very end of every baseball game I can do. Because when I was nine, I, it was one of my first games ever with my dad. when We drove up to Oakland to see the Yankees play the Oakland A's. And it was not that great of a game. It went into like the ninth and 10th and it went to extra innings. And it's like two in the morning or maybe it was one in the morning. I don't know. It was really late at night. And I was like, dad, like, can we just go? Like, I, I'm so tired. And he's like, you want to leave this right now? We're in extra innings. And this is the Yankees. We drove up all the way here. And me and my nine year old. I'm like, yeah, like, I'm just, I'm so tired. As we're walking out of the stadium, we hear an enormous roar. The Yankees just went ahead. And there was a ton of Yankee fans in attendance that day in Oakland. And, you know, I, I look back at my dad and my dad was like, you see what you did there? And I'm like, yeah, I'm never leaving a game again. That was when I was nine. And I like to stay all the way through because of that moment. I missed an A-Rod three-run home run. Mm. It's a tough eat. It's a toughie, and I still think about it to this day. It's more of a nightmare than a good story, but that's all I got. How about number two? This one is good for both of you especially. Who is the most underrated prospect outside the top 100? That was asked by SimonWalton.NYC on Instagram. Host of the call-up, what do you think? Oof. Outside of our top 100? or like That's that's the big question, right? Our top 100. Outside of our so we have not finalized it. And um, a guy that might sneak in, but really wasn't under serious consideration. And I know, I know Jack's going to love this one. He just got a high ranking on fan graphs on their updated top 100. Stephen Kwan, I think is one of the most underrated prospects in baseball period. 
um, outfielder center field for the guardians. I think he's going to start in center for them this year. I think he's better than miles straw. Uh, he he's fast. He does not swing and miss ever. He walks more than he strikes out by a good deal, puts the bat on the ball, does a little bit of everything. Uh, Steven Kwan to me is like as high floor as you're going to find good athlete does a little bit of everything. Jack, did I steal yours? No, you didn't. Um, but I, I texted you guys the other day. I said, you will never in a million years sneak a high floor college bat by me. I am yeah, there you go. High floor Oregon college State. bats. Oregon State. So, yep. Played with Nick Madrigal. Not a coincidence, right? Played with Adley Rutschman. Played with Trevor yeah. Larnick. I mean, all those guys. Shout out Stephen Kwan. He was like the leadoff guy, the scrappy center fielder that had a 380 OBP. Like that was Stephen Kwan. He walks too. That's the thing. Like unlike Madrigal, he walks. Yes, I big Stephen Kwan guy. Uh, two Dodgers guys that I want to throw you because we know how good the Dodgers are developing people. Aram, I've talked to you about both these guys, uh, and I know that the second name has come up on the Just Baseball show before. First name is Brandon Lewis. Lewis hit 30 bombs across low A and high A this year. He is Mike Moustakas's doppelganger. If you put a headshot of each of them next to each other, they are one and the same. He's a big, burly guy. He was checking in near three bills when he was drafted by the Dodgers. He's down to like 245 now, but he's a hoss, and he's going to hit 30 bombs in an MLB season. I'm convinced because he's got good bat-to-ball skills, and he's got insane power. And then the second guy is Hyun Il Choi. I have (laughs) mentioned this name before. I freaking love Hyun Il Choi. Uh, Choi, in low A, threw around 65 innings, punched out 75 guys, and he walked seven. He doesn't miss the zone. He's 92 to 94 with his fastball. He's got a tight curveball that's hard, and that's the curveball that plays well right now. We've talked about that. And he also has a good slider to complement the breaking ball. He's young, and he's a South Korean right-hander that throws kind of gas, and he doesn't miss his spots. I'm in on Hyun Il Choi. Actually, Dodgers pitcher of the year in the organization. Um, and then one other name, real quick, before Peter goes, Jairo Pomares of the Giants, a name that I really got excited about after I wrote that system up and did some more digging into him, outfielder for the Giants out there. I, I just love all the improvements he's made. I think he has big time upside in the power, power department. Uh, it could be a really exciting bat. So there's a 6'5 lefty, or not 6'5 lefty, 6'5 right handed pitcher out of the University of Georgia that was traded along with Luis Patino, Francisco Mejia, and Blake Hunt in return for good one. Blake good Snell. One. Good Cole one. Wilcox mm-hmm. is kind of really fucking good. Mm-hmm. He's got a plus fastball. He's got a great slider. He's got a great changeup. He pitched well in low A or high A. He's only still only 22 years old, and this guy went through Tommy John surgery. You know, he was ranked really high coming out of the draft. I know he, you know, he foregrew the MLB draft to go to University of Georgia. I was watching him pitch this morning. And I'm like, dude, this guy is no, he's disgusting. Good. And um, that's my guy. I think he will be in the raise rotation soon. And hot take, could he be better than Luis Patino? I, I, I don't think that's the craziest thing in the world, though. Like, like outside, if, it, if it's a hot take, I, I think there's there's some fair take. He's got he's big body. He he's got a power fastball. Like Peter said, he's got pretty deep bag of stuff. I think if he, if he didn't go down with Tommy John, I mean, look at the numbers prior to prior to the injury he might be a top 100 guy. Like if he had the full season, you, yeah. we might be talking about him as a top 100 guy. And you know what happens when a race prospect starts shoving. We're quicker to turn the corner on those guys and say, oh, he's I believe in them. <laughs> Other guys were like, oh, I got to see more. I got to see more. Ray's guy does it for like five months. We're like, boom. 
Yep. And he was at like the two month mark. So <laughs> that's true. He doesn't have a ton of minor league experience so far, but just from what I've seen, he looks like a top 100 arm, no doubt. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. he was in the weekend rotation with Emerson Hancock at Georgia, like there, there's something to say about having a really good teammate in the weekend rotation with you. I'll stand by that with Tanner Burns, who's also in the Guardian system, who is the heir to the Casey Mize throne at Auburn. It really helps to have those guys to bounce shit off of. Um, notice the three organizations that we just pulled from, though. The Guardians, the Dodgers, yeah. and the Rays, who are yeah. just the, the three Giants. best at developing people. And the Giants. And the Giants. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but like, what am I gonna? It's just they. Yeah, this Rockies guy players. I love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Ryan Rollison. Don't let the ADRA deceive you. He's underrated. But as we just slandered the Rockies, can we talk about how much arm you love Zach Veen? Because he's yeah, gonna he's be a fire. star. He's yeah, fire. he's fire. I was shocked at where Fangraphs had him. They had it. It was funny. It was like almost like a troll trio. Fangraphs just came out with the top 100. I just recorded a, a like a breakdown of it on the call up, and they had Zach Veen. Then they had Jason Dominguez. And then who's another outfielder that I don't like? I have it right in front of me. Pache. Hold on. Yes, it was Pache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was Pache. That's crazy that you just did that. Um, yeah, it was. It was like. <laughs> it I've was, been hearing it was, about how much he hates Pache for so long. And I was just like, like I agree. I was like, thank goodness he's ahead of those two. But you cannot attach them. Like, you can't put it like the three musketeers, Zach Veen, Jason Dominguez, and, and Pache. Not, not going to fly with me. Polarizing. <laughs> all right, let's get back to the bigs. Next question. Will Ollie Marmel lead the Cardinals to a better record than Mike Schilt did last season? That's asked by Seth underscore Partney underscore drums on Instagram. Jack, I'm going to throw that to you first. Is he a drummer? I think he's a drummer. I'd assume so. Our last question asker is from New York City, which I gathered from dot yes. nyc and then this one underscore drums i assume plays the drums. is that is that the new wave you just in your username you, you give a little tidbit of what you do well so on twitter i'm jack underscore mcmullen 11 i think i'm going to change it to jack underscore mcmullen underscore uh baseball yes because i like my it. my uh like uh email when i was a kid pete baseball at gmail.com <laughs> solid email <laughs> Pete well, baseball. Ben Bellotti, we, we can shit on Ben Bellotti for a moment here. Our, our killer video editor, his email address, Ben. Yeah, wait, should we give him a, Should we give out his email address? Well, I'm not giving out the numbers behind it, but Ben <laughs> Socks leads the email address. They'll also never guess what the at is. I, I'd never heard of that where, where it's like the at blank.com or whatever. I was like, or dot net or whatever. I was yeah, like, what, what, what is that? Well, oh yeah, are on, we giving man. Away, oh, we didn't give away the numbers. I thought <laughs> you just said, yeah, we're not giving away the numbers, but like we're just well, leaving we, more with the numbers. They can't find it. They, they don't know the numbers. I've never like, heard of an email. Guys, from that. I don't want you guys to know my latitude and longitude, but I'm at this address. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know the numbers, and because my dad has Cox on that, and we use Cox back in California, big California thing. But he oh, California, California, Californians so like, like, okay. Yeah. We're fans of Cox. Like Cox you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love um, Cox. <laughs> he doesn't like Cox. Uh, Dick Nutting. He, uh, Dick Monfort right. and Bob Nutting. Do you think it. the Cardinals are going to be fucking better or not? <laughs> okay. So great question, Seth. Um, I say yes, but I say that's purely coincidence. I don't think it's because of Ali Marmol. I think it's because the Cardinals were so unhealthy the first two months of the season this past year. They lost some games there that they shouldn't have lost. Obviously, the 19-game win streak skews that, or was it 17? Uh, it was 17. somewhere in the – yeah, 17. That win streak game. skewed it. It was a long time. Um, 
but I think if the Cardinals are fully healthy and I'm just anticipating they are because I don't guess injuries. Um, I think that the Cardinals are a better team this year than they were last year. And also you got to look at the rest of the NL central because the Cubs tick down. They don't have half a season of Rizzo, Baez and Bryant. The Reds tick down. They're going to lose Castellanos to free agency here and they might sell Castillo and Sonny Gray. Like the rest of the divisions getting worse and they're staying the same and now they're healthy. So I think the Cardinals are going to be better. Whether that's a Schilt Marmol thing, I have no idea. Yeah, that's that's funny because that, that's exactly kind of how I looked at it. I was like, you know, Marmol might be might be fine. Um, he might do a great job. Uh, but uh, to me, it's more of a question of is this Cardinals team better this year than it was last year? Because uh, I didn't really see an issue with Schilt. I think the 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 disconnect with Schilt was more with the front office than the players. At least that's what how I took it. I mean, I even look at the the monologue that Schilt had early in the season with the sticky stuff and kind of fighting for his players. And I, I didn't really see it as, as a player issue between Schilt and, and them more so as the front office thing. So I, I agree. I think they're going to be better this year. Um, just, just from the pure standpoint that Jack Flaherty was unavailable for essentially the whole season. Uh, I think will definitely make a big difference and, and they, they're going to make some, I think a few more, tiny tweaks here and there they'll be better uh but yeah i mean it'll be interesting to see how marmol does but the team itself should be better i think they'll win some more games so they went 90 and 72 last year and i kind of think they're going to have the exact same record (laughs) because they were around 500 before that huge win exactly you know jack flaherty was injured but adam wainwright was amazing is adam wainwright going to be the same at age 40 but then is jack flaherty going to be more healthy I'm still somewhat worried about this starting rotation because Steven Matz is a guy who has not been healthy throughout his entire career. Miles Michaelis is a guy who's dealt with injuries as well. And Dakota Hudson doesn't have that much experience in, in the major leagues. So the starting rotation is pretty thin right now. And they, I really do think they need to add another starter if they want to win 90 games because winning 90 games is like hard because the Brewers are still good. I mean, these teams are terrible and, and the rest of the National League is still loaded i i think they actually finished like 89 and 73 but i think they still could easily win the division okay so if they sign if they sign rodan if they sign like one of the top flight free agent starters left and then libby's up after a month do you think the rotation's a lot better oh yeah much better i mean if if you can throw in libertor as well and then you can get a carlos rodan it's just like are they going to get carlos rodan like it's it's they already signed their Stephen Matz. Are they going to go and get another one? That's why I didn't understand the Stephen Matz signing. I know he's a ground ball pitcher with that defense, but, and I know 11 million years is fine, but four years, I just, I didn't love the signing and I don't love the rotation moving forward. But also, I think Tyler O'Neill is going to get even better. I think Harrison Bader is going to get even better. Like, there's, a, I think Nolan Arenado will actually play better than he did last year. So there's a lot of moving parts, but overall, I think they kind of finish around what they finished last year. No rebuttal. We're nodding. <laughs> I am not. Right. Next question. Will Robbie Ray go back to being a bum <laughs> next year? Asked by David underscore Sanchez 97 on Instagram. I'd like to preface it with, I don't know if Robbie Ray was ever a bum, but there were seasons where his ERA got a little bit inflated. And, and it was bum adjacent. Yeah, he was bomb adjacent. But last year, he was the Cy Young Award winner. Should he have won the Cy Young? Eh, doesn't really matter. It's not our decision, but, you know, I probably would have gone with Garrett Cole. But, again, doesn't matter. I think Robbie Ray is going to be good. 
Like, I think a lot of people are expecting him to take like this huge step back. I think he learned a lot from Pete Walker in Toronto. And I think that he's going to implement that again in Seattle. I don't think we should expect the type of year, but I still think he's going to be a very good pitcher. And I feel like people are thinking he's going to fall off a cliff. Jack, you're, you're moving around. Uh, Jack, Jack hates, yeah, he's like, Jack hates Robbie Ray. Yeah. I don't hate Robbie Ray. I just strongly dislike what Robbie Ray brings to the table. Is that hate? Yes. Um, I, yeah. I mean, like I was thinking about sitting this question out cause I'm just a Robbie Ray denier, I guess. Like, I don't, I, I like the idea that he learned a bunch of stuff in Toronto and he can implement that in Seattle. And I like what Seattle has done with guys that have less flair and less talent than Ray um, and turn them into quality starters. I'm just worried that Ray is like so combustible and he might go back to his seven walks per nine clip. And I'm, I'm just worried the command's going to go away. If it doesn't, then he's going to be good because the stuff is good enough. But like, if, if I give you a command, if I give you a 3.5 ERA next year, you're going under or over? Over. Okay. Ooh. I'm going under. Arm, what do you think? I could I could see the command from taking a marginal step back, but at the same time, you don't go from 7.8 to 2.42 by accident, right? Like, and that's walks per nine innings. I just don't think that happens by accident. I could see a step back, but at the same time, I think he's going to be a little bit more confident than he could attack the strike zone in one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks out there. Whereas, as I've mentioned in the past, it's like playing in Dunedin and Buffalo where the ball just has helium. It just takes off and floats away. Uh, I think there's a level of confidence in Seattle. Like I'm going to attack the strike zone. If I le- I can go with the fastball up, I can lean on the heater more and it's going to stay in the yard. And what, what is, I think by park factor, one of the five most pitcher friendly ballparks versus, you know, if you look at park factor based on the uh, co- combination of places that, Buff- that the uh, Blue Jays called home last year, it was not pitcher friendly. So I, I wonder how it's all going to work. I-, I do think he definitely does not match what he did last year but I, I still think he's going to be a really, really, really good pitcher. That's a really good point about playing in Dunedin and playing in Buffalo and all Dunedin. over the, yeah, playing wherever, Dunedin, what is it called? Dunedin. Dunedin. It's called Dunedin? Yeah, Arm just no, said it 20 seconds ago. Dunedin. Dunedin. I, well, now you messed up my train of thought now. Too. Um, we were talking on not gambling advice about the Blue Jays guys, about the fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. last year, you know, took the league by storm. Storm, but a lot of you know in the first half he had 28 home runs and that was you know by Dunedin or whatever that's called and uh, Buffalo as well um, and now moving forward but he had 20 home runs in the second half like he was he was totally fine but I'm sure that those numbers were a little bit inflated and the fact that Robbie Ray had to pitch in that type of atmosphere definitely bodes well for then going to Seattle so uh, Jack I think you're completely wrong I think um, Robbie Ray is <laughs> going to be good and you're an idiot all right let's move okay. on <laughs> wait you, you didn't that's even it. pause <laughs> Yeah, usually you take a quick beat to let that sit there. If we're talking about delivery, Jack, I think you're wrong and you're an idiot. Okay, now let's move on. But no, you just decided to roll through and didn't give me a chance to rebut. Exactly. I didn't want you to rebut. I like the approach. Thank you. Next question. We all sadly know Kershaw is the best 2010s regular season pitcher. Hard to say as a Giants fan. But who but would love to hear your thoughts on who is the best postseason pitcher of the 2010s asked by little DJ two, two, eight on Twitter. Jackson Jack, go ahead there's an obvious answer answer here. Yeah. I mean, little DJ, congratulations on the most guiding question ever. Like, ever. You're a giants fan. You're asking best postseason pitcher of the decade. And you're That's saying, actually- sadly, Kershaw's the best. Like, 
<laughs> I mean, that was such a leading question, and you know the answer here. He nailed it. Nailed it's it. Madison Bumgarner, it's not even that close. That was such a genius play. That's like 3D chess by our guy, 4D chess by our guy over here. Yeah. Like, I just, I'm going to lead them to the water here and just have them make them talk about what I want to hear. Right. Like, what if we said Nathan Yavaldi? <laughs> if we just dropped a random name on him. That is the bum is the answer. That one, I don't think we need to talk about it much because, you know. Uh, if you haven't read about Madison Bumgarner's upbringing in buttfuck North Carolina, I highly recommend you do it. He grew up in a place named Bumtown. Madison Bumgarner once dated a girl named Madison Bumgarner. Madison <laughs> Bumgarner got married wearing jeans, a flannel, and a pocket knife on his belt. That's fire. His career, I mean, really what derailed his career was an ATV or dirt bike, a dirt bike, ATV. I don't know. I think that's how he wanted it to go. The the commercials you see about Jack Daniels and like Lynchburg, Tennessee, how it's just a super small town. Like that's kind of where Madison Bumgarner grew up, like where Jack Daniels is. This, this next question is a good one because I quite honestly don't know a lot about it. And I want to kind of ask you guys would love to hear your thoughts on some of the technology being used in college baseball. For example, the wristbands that Vanderbilt rolled out on opening weekend, asked by Hope Cafe 5 on Twitter. Who wants to answer that one first? Jack. I love tech. Yeah. <laughs> Big tech guy. Uh, I don't have the name of the company, but I know there are a couple of companies that are moving here. Um, there are a couple of companies that tried getting integrated into minor league baseball with almost like this Morse code buzzer system where you would buzz in and like the number of buzzes you felt if you're on the mound, you like wear something in your hat. Um, That's your pitch call one, two, three, four, so-and-so. And And then you would have another set of, you know, buzzes to, to describe location. What Vandy's going with right now is a watch that all nine players are wearing at the moment. And they all see the same exact thing. The pitching coach for Vandy and his name is escaping me right now, but a a fantastic pitching coach uh, is wearing this. And he's signing in the pitches. So instead of sitting in the dugout and touching his nose and the bill of his hat, then his ear or giving, you know, this, this deep signage that teams pick up on and they have picked up on for 50 years. um, He is simply putting a number into this watch. And then he's putting another number into this watch. The first number is pitch. The next number is location and all nine players on the field. See that. So you might have like an outfielder. If you're throwing off speed away, trying to backdoor, you might have the outfield shift the other way here. There's this cohesion here that just makes a lot more sense. And you don't need everybody looking into the dugout. Totally. And and so that's the one, the main argument too, is, is pace of play from like the the fan perspective, right? Like it's going to be quicker Uh, from, from the team perspective. I would, I would have really, at first I was like, eh, and I was thinking about it and I was like, I, w- I would have really liked it at third base, you know, cause that's where I played in high school. And like, I would always try to catch a peek at the signs if I could, especially in two strike counts. Cause you know, when we had, we had some hard throwing guys that if I knew they were going to a curveball, like I-, I know there's a good chance that we're going to get a rollover my way. Just like having the idea of, of what your pitcher is throwing just helps you so much to prepare defensively too. Uh, it- it's great to have all of your players on the same page and increases pace of play. I don't really understand why anybody would have a problem with it. If it slowed the game down, I would understand maybe, but it doesn't. 
so if you're not on the field, you know, and one of the players and you have a problem with it, it's more of just like a, a just being a contrarian in my opinion. Cause like, there's really nothing to not like. Yeah. It, it is entirely a pace of play thing. Um, and this is one of those where like, I don't think you need to take much pause here. I don't think you need to have this slow integration process. Like you look at the NBA all-star game, implementing the Elam ending where you got like the target score, right? You're counting up to, to eliminate fouls and all that. That is a crazy ludicrous idea in the, in the fold of basketball. Is it better than the end of basketball games? Yes, it is. But is it going to get implemented? Like, no, not for a long time because it's not traditional, even though it might be better. This is just a better, more efficient take on something that's been around and is deeply flawed. Like sign stealing has been a thing before people started banging on trash cans. If you've got a watch that tells you what's going on, it's the same thing as having a laminated card in the back of your pocket. And it's a lot easier to hold onto a watch than a laminated card. Yep. I'm, cu- I'm curious though. Is it annoying for pitchers? Cause I know I feel like pitchers have, have, have shot back against some of the new tech because you know, it's in their hat or it's, you know, it's, it's too much on their body. I don't know. It's on your wrist. Just throwing other things out there. I don't know much about this stuff. You know, I, I think uh, you don't have to worry about getting the sign from the catcher. Right. So instead of like, when you put your, when you put your heels on the robber, uh, you're, you're pitching, like you're, you're going. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure there's some pitchers that prefer to not have to look at anything other than the catcher sign, but I feel like you get used to that pretty quickly. You get used to it quickly and like, think about it. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys saw like a ton of the NFL quarterbacks during the playoffs were wearing a whoop while they played. Like, it's almost like a pitcher. Yeah. Arms wearing his whoop right now. Um, it's almost like a pitcher wearing an Apple watch or a Fitbit or a whoop while they throw a bullpen, except it's in game. Now you just got to go. Yeah. This next question is a great one. If you guys could create the ultimate home run derby in 2022, who would you take? That was asked by D Hills on Twitter. So the way I want to do this in arm, Jack and I talked about this before we press record there's eight spots normally in the home run derby, but I kind of want to do a draft. And if we all have three picks, we'd make a total of nine. Okay. And I kind of want the number one pick unless okay. anyone else feels like they really want it, but we'll do a snake draft. I kind of want the number one pick. You guys, you guys down for that? Go ahead. All right. Aram, you got the number two pick Jack. You got the three. Wait, hold on. What the, the fuck? <laughs> Is this about a quarter? About a quarter. Arm Jack. Fine. Peter. About a quarter. Peter. No, me first though. Apple last name. Uh, is L before M? Yeah, it is. There you go. Yeah, it is. You're validated. Suck it, Jack. Wait, last hold on. First. Hold on. What? Credit because in the last thirty seconds you have done both multiplication three times three equals nine, and you've done alphabetical order. I'm a man of many talents. Yeah. I would draft Pete Alonso number one, no doubt. He wins every single home run derby. I think he's going to lead the league in home runs. Pete Alonso, first overall pick. Tatis, right? I mean, I, that was a guy that I think everybody was so excited to see. Unfortunately, with the shoulder, he, he hits the ball so freaking hard. He's he's a show. He himself is a show. So Tatis for me too. Yoannis Cespedes third. Uh, no, uh-huh. let's go. Uh, let's go. Otani three. Yeah, redemption. Yeah. Are we going snake? So I get the next yeah, pick snake, too. Yeah. You got the next pick. Vladdy, four. That's gonna be my pick. You think of another one. <laughs> Arm, you're you're up again. 
Um, oh, yeah, I am up again. <laughs> um, Salvador Perez. I, I, I'll be honest, man. Like, Salvi put on a freaking show uh, at, at the Derby. I, I was floored at how, how much fun Salvi was. So, so give me Salvi at, at number two. I will take Aaron Judge, and I will take Giancarlo Stanton, and I'm going to call it the easiest win I've ever had. <laughs> easiest win you've ever had. Ever. Yeah. Um, oof. Now it's tough. Like, do I want Adam Duvall? No. <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> do I want Nick Castellanos? Kinda. He's going to hit so many doubles. Um, I, have, I have an easy pick for you. That. No, but I want, I want to be a little bit outside the box here. Right, like oh, I, this I is want your to... ultimate home run derby. Don't go outside the box. Get the fucking guys you want to see hit home runs. <sighs> Sam Huff, <laughs> shut up. Well, <laughs> actually, don't shut up because he has crazy raw power. But like Sam Huff. Huff. All right, you're going Sam Huff. Yeah. Okay. Jack. Dominguez. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah. Pick uh, Peter Harper. Peter, pick a number one through 10. Six. All right. I've got uh, Soto. Soto was evens. Matt Olson was odds. I like that. Soto sneaky, like out dueled Otani. Like that was the best round of the Derby. Well, Otani didn't play that well. Yeah. I'm just excited that Otani is like, he could hit a 500 foot home run. I think Arm has a balloon in the back of his uh, of his shot right now. Is that what we're yeah, looking that at? That was crazy. A zebra that print balloon. The shit out of me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm in an Airbnb. You just got in here. We're right by Truist Park here for collectors convention with eBay. I was going to say, yeah. So you're with our friends at eBay right now and founding a baseball company. The whole point of founding a baseball company was for Arm to interview as he jumps and grabs the balloon. Got it. <laughs> Um, the whole point of Aram, you know, founding a baseball company was to talk to Tyrod Taylor and Cordero Patterson, right? Yeah, that's apparently what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> oh, and Mike Vick's going to be here, but I'm not supposed to. I, I don't. That's not in the schedule for me. Okay. But yeah, I get to talk to Cordero Patterson. He's that's one fire. Should have won the MVP. Should have. We shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Quick rundown. Over our teams. Yeah. Let's go over our teams. I have. Pete Alonso, Giancarlo Stanton, and Aaron Judge. Jack, who do you got? I've got Otani, I've got Vladdy, and I've got Juan Soto. See, I thought I won your team's And my my oh. troll, I'm replacing my troll pick. I had, what did I do? Salvi Perez, Tatis, Tatis and Jordan Alvarez is my third. You, you said Sam Huff. Yeah, you said Sam Huff. You're keeping Sam Huff. All right, keep, all right keep, keep the guy who hits 500-foot homers. That's fine with me. Okay. Yeah. He plays for the Rangers. He has like donkey donkey pop. It's a perfect way to describe it. The next question is the AL East to the NL West, the better division who wins these two divisions and why asked by Todd Bernius on Instagram, Jack throwing it to you. The AL East is better because the NL West has two sitting ducks and the AL East only has one. And yep. the one sitting duck in the AL East is more exciting than yep. either of the two in the NL West. Agreed. So the Dodgers are the best team in either division. The Padres, if you put the Padres in the AL East, would probably be the second or third best team in that division. You're saying no? No. 
I'd say they'd be last if they were. And I think they're worse than the Yankees. I think they're worse than the Red Sox. I think they're worse than the Blue Jays. And on I think paper, the you're saying the Red Sox finish ahead of the Padres? I'm not. On paper, no. But I would not be surprised one bit if the Red Sox have more wins than the Padres. Yeah, Peter, I don't watch the games. I just play the game on an Excel sheet. Uh, you go back and forth. I, no, I'm, I'm a total <laughs> sabermetrics guy. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't you trust said the eye test at all. That's like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, what I'm doing right now is actually quintessential gaslighting right now. So uh, Apparently. yeah, <laughs> I, I think, I think the Padres could be middle of the pack in the AL East. And then I think the giants are middle of the pack in the AL East as well. I think the Dodgers are the best team of the bunch, but I'm taking the four AL East teams because you could make the argument. You are making the argument here that it goes Dodgers, the four AL East teams, and then Padres Giants, and then I go at the bottom, Orioles, then Diamondbacks Rockies. Yeah, correct. Literally. Yeah. And the Orioles might not win more games than the Rockies and They've the Diamondbacks, Adley and but I think they're a better team. Yeah, yeah. I think they're a better team. Who do you think wins the AL East? Uh, I'm going to stand by Toronto. I like, I like the it. Jays. Arm, what yeah. do you think? I need to wait and see. I need a few more moves, but I, I, I still like yeah, the Rays. This will change. I, I mean, like the Rays. The Rays. The Rays to me are just so complete. Uh, they're they're just so freaking complete. I, that's the team that I think wins it. And and that's the thing is is you don't really have a day off in the AL East. I mean, the Orioles are the worst team, and I still think like like we said, the Orioles offense they can put up runs much at a much more ridiculous rate than the Rockies. I know the Rockies at cores is a different story, but the Rockies, if you're hosting them in the D backs, it's just those, those are two teams that you're not really worried about much. I mean, the Orioles, they can blitz you. They got some guys that can hit like the, the, the offense is not the problem. It's only going to be better this coming year. No doubt about it to me, the AL East by, by actually a decent margin. I agree. And I agree. I think the AL East is better. And I think the Rays are going to win the division. It's just how is it going to slot out? I do think, you know, I've said Rays, Yankees, Blue Jays, Red Sox, but I think the Blue Jays could easily win the division. That's how close it's going to be. Like the Blue Jays are freaking loaded. And the Red Sox, you know they're going to sign another free agent. And Chris Sale's going to come back for a full season. Like they're going to be really good again. I have a bet. I I think uh, an even more difficult one, AL West or NL East? AL West or NL East? Let me list the teams because I sometimes – I don't know if you guys are like me, but sometimes with division, I scramble it up. AL West is better. So AL it's West. Angels, Astros, Athletics, Mariners, and Rangers, for those listening who don't want to, like, pull it up. And then the NL East, of course, is Braves, Marlins, Mets, Nationals, Phillies. Defending champs, loaded up Mets, Phillies, who are perpetually at least decent, and the Marlins are sick. Um <laughs> Like Astros, did you say the Nationals are the worst team? You've also, I think, called the Phillies inept. No, no, no really. Not. And you're you're a Mets hater. I like the Phillies. I like the Phillies. I, I said the Phillies, like the Phillies, but I think it's a good one. I'm I'm torn. I'm super you're, torn. Assuming the Athletics burn it down. Assuming the A's burn it down. Peter, who hates baseball more, me or Arm? I think. You hate baseball more than I do, for sure. I think you hate baseball more than Arm does. I think <laughs> Arm Arm's baseball is like heroin. Like, he's just so addicted to it, but hates it. Jack just straight up doesn't like it. <laughs> more of a musical guy. 
and I freaking love every second of it. Good. Yeah. You know, I think the AOS. What do you think? AOS. Oh, wait. Or- so did you enjoy that a uh, wild card game for the Yankees this past year? Why do you get to bring up shit like that? I, you said every second. second. You love it. <laughs> you said you loved every second. I was, I was just curious. Yeah, fuck baseball. Actually, I hate it too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> next question. In the next five years, who do you think will solidify themselves as the face of the game? That was asked by Cy.Ingersoll on Instagram. I kind of want to answer first because I think it's I think it's clear, at least in my mind, Fernando Tatis Jr. will be the face of baseball at the age of probably 27 in five years. He's I think he's going to win the MVP next year. I think he's going to establish himself as maybe the best overall player in baseball as Mike Trout, you know, starts to teeter off there in age. Him and Juan Soto will be battling it out, but Tatis just has the thrill factor. Give me Tatis. Jack. Jack. Yeah, snaps. I, I couldn't agree more. I, he's a shortstop. He plays the sexiest position. He plays the sexiest brand of baseball where he's hitting 40 bombs and he's swiping 40 bags. Uh, and he's and he I, like is the sexiest. He's he's just amazing. Like he's just yeah. amazing. And he's there every single day. And like Otani, I would I would say the other player that could rival Tatis is Otani. But Otani's yeah. going to be a DH. Like, it kind of helps when you can make the snazzy play in the field every night. And that's what Tatis can well, do. And also, Stephen A. Smith said Otani can't be the face right, of because, baseball. Right, because, yeah. Bro, he's yeah. a good baseball man, for sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he yeah. does. He, he, I thought that was a that was really educated take. You see Stephen A.'s top are... 100 prospects? I don't think Greg Jones, could, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't list 100 prospects. Like, there's he no way. He list five. <laughs> Yeah, well, you guys are forgetting that Ty France exists. And when the Mariners yeah. start getting hot this year and make a run, Fuck. don't so be surprised bad. when Ty France is one of the top selling jerseys in baseball. Yeah, uh, another yeah. one, honorable mention, Detroit Tigers pitching coach Chris Fetter could be the face of baseball very soon. I mean, if he makes Casey Mize good, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> don't forget our bet. Don't forget our bet. Wait, can Chris Russo be the face of baseball too? Yes, oh. is. is the face of baseball. <laughs> All right, um, and Jack, another great prospect question for you guys. Last question before we get to rapid fire. What prospect do you think is likely going to pan out career-wise? What prospect will be that guy for his whole career, not just a few years? So there's a couple ways we can answer this question. Who do we think out of the prospects right now will end up with the highest career war? And Jack, you had another idea. Yeah, I just viewed like, I I read this question, like who's the highest floor guy? Who's the safest one to pan out? Um, and I think those are two both. different answers. I agree. Let's answer both. Yeah. I think those are two yeah. different answers. I think we can answer both. Okay. Um, I can go first if you don't mind. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Highest floor is Adley Rutschman. Um, I think Rutschman is a switch hitting catcher that can hit 280 and hit 25 bombs every year. I don't know if he's going to hit 35 in a year. I don't know if he's going to hit 320 ever. I don't know if he's going to be a gold glove and silver slugger in the same year, but I know that Adley Rutschman is going to come in. He's going to be a top 10 catcher in baseball as soon as he debuts. And then he's going to stay a top 10 catcher in baseball for the next 15 years. When I think highest war, of the current prospects right now, I think Bobby Witt Jr. Cause he's a 30, 30 guy. 
And I, I'm more sold on Bobby Witt than I've been on a guy in a long time. Arm, what do you think? Well, yeah. So there's there's a lot of ways I go with this one because like when it when you go with the floor, right? Like the highest floor. I know this is this is a guy that Jack really likes too. In terms of just like cannot miss to me, like that I know will. I would almost put my life on being a good big leaguer is Alec Thomas. So like Alec Thomas, I think is the biggest guarantee to at the very worst. Like I think the worst case scenario and the best case scenario for Alec Thomas aren't all that far apart. Like that's how complete of a player he is. And that's how much he has it between the ears uh, and just his approach to the game and his bat to ball skills and his defense. He doesn't have a hole in a single game, like at all. That's a guy that I think personally is kind of in that, in that area, cumulative war. It's gotta be Bobby Witt. I agree because there's not somebody that's going to impact the game in so many different ways, right? Like Bobby Witt to me is a plus defender at shortstop. You think about the war that you're accumulating there. Then you talk about the offense, the value on the base pass, but to, to be a little bit different here and throw in a different one. I think Torkelson, man, like he's, he's pretty can't miss with that bat. The war is not going to be there because he's going to play first and he's going to DH, but Torkelson, I think worst case, he swings and misses more than we thought, and he's a 30-plus home run guy who swings and misses more than we thought. Best case, he's high batting average, high power, and walking and doing everything, which I think is incredibly likely as well. Uh, I just think you, you have a hard time, and I have a hard time imagining that Spencer Torkelson is not a good big leaguer. 2025 gold glove third baseman Spencer Torkelson is flipping you the bird right now. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. If, he's, if he plays three games at third base in 2025, you can slap me in the face. So to be, a little bit different, to be a little bit different from you guys, I also think Bobby Witt Jr. is going to lead all prospects in war when it's all said and done. But you know what? Instead of Bobby Witt Jr., I'm going to say Julio Rodriguez actually does lead all of these players in war. I think his bat is revolutionary. Revolutionary. It's revolutionary. Nice I, think adjective. He will be, I think he will be a top 10 player in baseball soon. Like, I think he has the best bat in the minor leagues. But I do think Bobby Witt is going to have more war. But I think Julio Rodriguez is going to be a superstar. And a guy with a huge floor that I just – I cannot see him not hitting and playing a good center field is He's Riley Green. I think Riley Green, you know, he had over 300 in AAA as a 21-year-old. I think he's a lock to just be like an all-star caliber player. I love Riley Green. I think he has a really, really high floor. Yeah. And that's that's how I feel about Corbin Carroll, too. Like another one of those guys that I just – he's going to be good enough, worst case. You know, it's just like worst case. I can't even imagine him being not good. Like it's just will he be decent or really good? And, you know, when you have prospects like that, that that's exciting. Well, again, that's crazy because that's also how I feel about Dominguez. Yes. High floor guy. <laughs> High floor. High floor guy. I agree. You know he's going to be a baseball player. Dominguez but, for Trout straight up. Well, say no. No. <laughs> Wait. By the way, a guy that I also think on the pitching side is as can't miss as you can find is Grayson Rodriguez. And I've told, I, I've told you guys for a while how Adam and I am that he's the best pitching prospect in baseball, but I want you guys to just get the, just hear this reaction. Like, or I want to get your reaction to fan graphs who put, put them in at number three, by the way, in their updated top 100 list, which is fine. I, I, I don't think you disrupt the big three personally, but if you're going to disrupt it with G rod, I'm cool with it. Listen to the pitch grades across the board for Grayson Rodriguez from Eric Loggenhagen and fan graphs, 70 on the fastball, 70 on the slider, 60 on the curveball. 
70 present, 80 future grade on the changeup, 60 on the cutter. Wouldn't that make him the best pitcher of all time? Yeah. And and you know I'm the biggest G-Rod guy ever, but I looked at that and I had to run that by you guys because I was like, three 70-grade pitches? That makes him Scherzer right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Who does he actually remind you guys of, though? I don't know. Like, he's unique as shit. Like, he's 6'5", 220 with four pitches. I guess now five. But like Bieber just throws harder. Bieber, but harder. Yeah. And bigger. I still but think he's the best pitching prospect. I think he's going to be insane. Who? Shane Boz. Well, you know, our friends at Fangraph said he's the single inning relief pitcher. You know, he kind of looks like it. He kind of looks like Chaz Rowe. Like, come Chaz, on. What are you talking Chaz about here? Rowe. Shane yeah. Boz is single elite. Have you just turn on the TV? Yeah. Listen, when he's spinning his face off with all the dip in his lower that, lip, that that might know. be why. Yeah, you can't you can't keep that lip in for more than one inning. <laughs> I mean, he looks like when they start to get sick on the sandlot, like on the roller coaster. <laughs> Rapid fire. So these are going to be you got to answer them in ten words or less. Okay, deal, deal. Jack, yeah. who would you say is the most handsomest on the pod? Asked by Daniel Andy Five on Twitter. I already got to break the rule of answering in 10 words or less. Yeah, you already Um, know. (laughs) Listen, I've given you a lot of flack uh, for being overly optimistic about the lockout this week, but I think it's clear cut that you're the most handsome person on this show, Peter. That's very nice of you. I think, I think it's, I think it's both of you. I only had 10 words. Arm, what do you think? I didn't want this question to be on the podcast. Let's skip it. Next one, favorite. That of was the 10. Mar- <laughs> that was 10. Bang, I'm safe. Favorite of the Mariners prospects asked by Brennan May on Twitter. Arm? What, what do you say, Astros? Favorite Mariners pitching prospect. Oh, Mar- Mariners, sorry. I was, I was already still- over 10 words, Jack. I- <laughs> Kirby can't miss the zone sometimes, and he throws gas. Bang. Arm, we'll give you another shot. Kirby's secondaries have improved. Throws more strikes than anyone. Nine. George Kirby. That's all I need. There we go. Was that less than 10? Yeah, that was was two. two. Next question. Freddie Freeman to the Yankees, nothing or something. And I just want you to answer with nothing or something. Jack? Nothing. Something. 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 Absolutely. Last question of the mailbag. Which Mets pitcher will have a lower ERA this year? Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer? Arm you first. Or Jack, Jack's raising his hand right now. Go do it. DeGrom and it's not close. He's Bob Gibson when healthy. Wow. Use of 10 words. That was crazy. That was crazy. DeGrom, because he is the greatest of all time. DeGrom, because he throws 102 and 95 slider 
93 change. <laughs> Are we counting numbers as, as yes, numbers as is one word? Absolutely. Well, so if you actually spelled the numbers out, he was hyphened. (laughs) 90 space three. Yeah, let's hyphenate it and count it as one word. So you were at nine words. Great job. That was the mailbag. Mailbag. I like our bit that we do that. And I just sit here like an idiot. You can hook up it. Mailbag. I'm too miserable to be able to get my voice (laughs) to that pitch. Well, I hate baseball the most, though. Go get your Just Baseball merch, people. In our episode description, link is in there. Look at me. I'm rocking my Just Baseball hoodie. It's 34 degrees in New York City, but it was 64 yesterday. Sometimes it drops 30 degrees a day-by-day basis. Sometimes you got to throw yourself on a hoodie. So go get yourself a Just Baseball hoodie or Not Gambling Advice merch or Just Baseball merch. Go check out Not Gambling Advice. We just dropped a new podcast ranking the best first baseman in fantasy baseball. Go check out the call-up MLB Prospect Pod hosted by our very own Arm Layton. And we have Mailbag. a new college. There we go. We have a new college baseball pod called Boys of Oh, he did, <laughs> he did the helium. helium. I didn't even Mailbag. know. <laughs> <laughs> he took the I got the balloon. balloon. <laughs> All right. And with that, thank you, everybody.